0: Welcome to the Hometown Hero Outdoors podcast.
1: Good evening. We're starting off our introduction podcast for Hometown Hero Outdoors. And tonight we've got on the four founders, Chris Tatrell, Andy Graff, Tony Tessing, and Daniel Meyer. And tonight we're going to be going over, you know, introducing ourselves, introducing the the mission of HHO, the history of HHO, and some of our, our accomplishments that we've had over the last five years. So starting out, Chris, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Chris Tatro.
2: I live in Minnesota, Stillwater, Minnesota. Um, I am a current serving conservation officer, former military army for the Minnesota National Guard, Red Bull. Um, yeah, one of the founders with HHO2 with the other guys that I'm here with, my brothers. Awesome. What did you do when you were in the, in the Red Bulls? Uh, well, I was in tanks, but I was actually never in tanks. When I deployed, I was always infantry or Cav Scout type stuff. So I went to Bosnia and Iraq and I was in Iraq for two years and did that, then transitioned over to the law
1: enforcement world. Awesome. Seems like the the most army thing ever, you know, do a job and then never do it, never actually do the job that you you joined for. So pretty much. Yeah. All right. Uh, Andy, you want to introduce yourself?
3: Hello Andy Graf here. I'm the event coordinator. Um I am currently serving as law enforcement officer here in Minnesota South Metro. Um and I'm a US Navy veteran. I did active duty and reserves active duty. I was an information systems technician. I basically did all comms. Um I was stationed overseas in Yokosuka, Japan on the USS George Washington and then NAS Woodbe Island um in Washington. And um really enjoyed my time in the service. Um, when I came back, I wasn't going to be a cop, but then became a cop. Um, just happenstance. I got a family full of law enforcement and love what I do now. And I love to give back. So, yeah.
1: Awesome. Was there, was there any cool places that you got to see when you're in the Navy? I, I hear oh, stories I, all the time oh, of, oh, of yeah, people yeah. going into ports.
3: Yeah. We, a lot of ports in the, um, Southeast Asia, Japan, Guam, Hong Kong, uh, South Korea Thailand uh, Philippines Australia so just to name a few so had a good time At a couple a,
0: of places
1: all over a place just a just couple. a few
0: just to name a few
3: yeah
1: all right and next we got Tony
0: uh hey I'm Tony Tessing uh, I'm from Andover Minnesota uh, born and raised in Minnesota uh, after college I ended up joining the Minnesota National Guard where I did six yard six years and um, then I Kind of hooked up with Dan and became one of the founding members. uh I also help uh try and do my best with uh, the social media stuff, but uh it's always an ever changing game.
2: well, there's a lot of social media out there, so you can it's a
0: lot
1: to keep track of
0: oh it's it's there's everything yeah and then
1: when when you were in the guard, did you have any deployments
0: under your belt? yeah, uh, I was deployed to Iraq with uh, the thirty fourth i d division. <laughs> uh in two thousand nine to two thousand ten. Um that was my only deployment and yeah.
2: It was more than enough.
0: Yeah, (laughs) definitely.
2: (laughs) Then we got Daniel Meyer, our president. Daniel tell us about
1: you. So Daniel Meyer, I'm from Oregon originally. I joined the army at 17 as an infantryman, uh left Oregon. Uh coincidentally enough I'm actually living back in Oregon now doing recruiting. Um after doing the infantry thing for a while, deploying to Afghanistan, 2011, 2012, uh, started doing recruiting and enjoyed being able to be be home with family and kept doing recruiting. Um, and then landed in Minnesota where I met all these guys and the many other people that we'll introduce throughout HHL. Um, and one one thing to mention with with everyone that introduced themselves, Chris, Andy, and Tony, and myself is all of us have a, have a work and and family outside of this organization that we pour it down into. Um, so hard to balance everything I'd, I'd say. Uh, but I think, you know, everyone does, it does a pretty good job of that.
2: Yep. We all have full-time lives outside of here. Everyone volunteers 100% of their time. And then the times that some of these weeks people put in anywhere, you know, between five to 10 hours, up to 40 hours a week on some of this stuff. So some pretty dedicated folks that we have within our organization and, our board's phenomenal. And I think that we wouldn't have gone where we have in these last almost five years without the dedication that we've had.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. Uh Speaking of, you know, where, where we've gone in the last, last five years, let, let's, let's talk about some of the, the history of hometown here outdoors and kind of what, what brought it about and why we, why we do what we do. Um So, Back in October of 2017 is when hometown air outdoors was was started, and that's when we officially got our determination letter from the IRS, awarding us our 501c3 nonprofit status. And then from there, it's just been a been a wild ride, and it's been nothing but greatness since. You know, great great accomplishments, and you know the the lives that we've changed. So, Chris, what what kind of things did you see? coming into HHO and why, why did you feel that it had to be, had to be formed?
2: I felt that, you know, I, I knew you guys when we were with the previous organization and I felt that we had a pretty good group of people. We had a lot of camaraderie between the, the four of us and uh, some other people that have left since, but uh, I felt that we did a really good job working together and engaging in a goal that we all wanted, which was to help the military. Uh, veterans or people had served at that point once we got that um, we asked some more questions with this organization that we weren't able to get real solid answers on uh, and and that kind of helped us make the decision to do it our way and when we broke away uh, we all kind of went together as a team you know we were pretty fluid and together on how we operated and had a lot of the same ideas and good ideas with everyone and ended up meeting up with our nonprofit attorney to ensure that we were doing everything correctly. And the, f- the formation of HHO happened. Um, yeah. everyone kind of came together and, um, helped stand that up and move forward. And, uh, a lot of our following that we previously had came with us, but we also ex- we also decided to expand into the law enforcement world too. So not only do we serve military service members, veterans, but we also opened up to the law enforcement side of things too.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. And, you know, with, with me coming up to, up to Minnesota with that previous organization and not, not really knowing anyone, that's where all, all of us met. And then, you know, have transitioned into HHO. So one, one of my questions for, you know, and Andy or Tony, let's, let's hear some stuff from you. What, what is it that made you, you know, want to take that leap from being with a already established organization, you know, where we, where we had our, had our followers and the people that we serve the our supporters and kind of dive into something that that we're starting from scratch and building that foundation.
0: Uh, I, I personally couldn't put, well, I, I couldn't put my, my name with what the other organization, organization anymore, but uh, I truly enjoyed uh, the volunteer aspect and sharing the outdoors and um, um, sharing everything that I've learned through, through family that, you uh, like hunting and fishing through, uh, growing up and all stuff. Um, I liked sharing that with others. And so I figured, you know, try and do it again, do it the right way with the group of people that, uh, I've became friends with more yeah. family now. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And
3: what kind of what Tony said, like growing up, I had a really strong background in the outdoors. You know, my dad always took me hunting, my grandfather, my brother, we all did it together. And to me, that's my escape uh, when I'm having a tough day, whatever you go out in the woods, you know, like they say, you can ne- never have a bad day fishing. So
1: yeah, uh, doing,
3: that, yeah, doing that. And then uh, when I was in Washington, I took one of my coworkers like, Hey, let's go duck hunting. Never shot ducks before. Had a blast. And I just had a lot of fun sharing my passion and my knowledge with people. And then I heard about the other organization, got started with them. And I was pretty new and things weren't going too great. And we just kind of figured out, Hey, maybe we should try this our own. And then uh, I'm glad, you know, to meet all you guys and transition to that, this beautiful thing we have now called HHO and how we've been able to spread not only in Minnesota, but you know, dang near nationwide. Um, and that's, that's just really cool. You know, it's something like Tony said, he couldn't put his name behind the other thing. Like I'm proud to say I started this, like I ran into someone the other day. They saw my stickers, Hey, HHO, like, have you heard it? Like, what's that about? And it's like, Oh, I went on this trip. It was great. It's like, Oh, I'm like, tell me about it. Was it fun? What'd you like? And then I ended up telling like, what? I started it. Like, what do you mean you started it? And I'm like, I'm one of the founding members. And then they're like, no way. And so that was a really cool moment for me. Kind of like just hearing someone that doesn't know who I am talking about how great this organization is not knowing that I'm have a hand in that. So that's really cool. Like you said, putting my name behind that and being proud to be a part of this is something I strive for. It's kind of fun too.
2: You kind of bump into those
3: people who bring up HHO
2: to you and you just sit there and play dumb. You're like, tell me about it. What do you got? I'm like sitting there wondering like what kind of feedback do they have?
0: Is it good? (laughs) Is it
2: bad? You know, I had, I had some Washington County deputies down here pitch HHO to me one day and I was like, Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Then they ended up talking me through the whole thing and how to apply for trips. I'm like, Oh, cool. You know, like (laughs) it's cool to hear that feedback from people out there.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that, that brings up another point, you know, all of us, you know, we, we sat down almost five years ago is, and at that point, in, in my opinion, you know, we, we talked about growing slow and, you know, taking our time. And for me, I didn't see us being where we're at now. Five, five years ago is not at all. Is that kind of, kind of the opinion of, of everyone else that's here
2: spreading quick. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it flies by
1: yeah which is you know a testament of you know the the need for organizations like ours to exist um and then also you know the those supporters that we have to continue supporting us so that way we can get even more more veterans and law enforcement into the outdoors and get them the the outdoor therapy that they that they need
2: so when you talk
1: about the outdoor therapy like
2: can you specifically explain the mission so all our listeners can? hear exactly what that sounds like.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. So at Hometown Hero Outdoors, our, our mission is providing law enforcement officers, military service members, and military veterans with outdoor opportunities to assist in healing and building healthy relationships within the community. But it, it really goes goes a lot further than that. You know, our our goal is to create a, a family, a, a brother and sisterhood of, of people that are there to support each other even when they're not attending the trips. Um, I, I think, you know, within the Facebook group that we have, the, the original HHO community group, and then the trips group, you see people come together in, in all sorts of, all sorts of fashions from all walks of life to, to help one another out, whether that be questions for, for outdoors, transitioning out of, out of military, um, or even to a new, new duty station, or, you know, troubles that they're facing in their, their law enforcement career and everyone being there to support each other. And, you know, I've heard countless times over and over again, people that attend trips, you know, four and a half years ago when we first started that haven't been on trips since or maybe, you know, have been on one or two, and they, they're still connected with the people that they went on that, that very first trip with, and they, they go out and do their own outdoor stuff together.
2: Tony I, and Andy, were you guys a part of that one post that we just saw? They said that he can hunt yeah. you through? So um,
0: I, I've, I've talked about this, like one of the things that I talked to my dad uh, about stuff that uh, with HHO and um, my father-in-law, um, Tom, about some of the things that I'm proud of. And one of the things I'm most proud of is the conversations and friendships that I've, I've uh, made with some of these people. Um, I, I never, uh, when we post a trip, uh, a group chat, is started with all of the participants um, as a way to not only put out information about the trip, but answer any questions that the participants might have. Um, And oftentimes it turns into kind of a um, way to also break the ice before you even get to meet these people. And I've never deleted a group chat from any of the trips ever. I have muted some of them, um, (laughs) but I'll check back on them um, because sometimes people get their stuff hacked. But- uh, And we're also in 50 group chats. Right. Um, But uh, a a group chat that Andy and I uh, are a part of uh, is one of my daily chats. These guys become our our friends, Uh, (laughs) hourly chats, yes uh I, I see in the, my upper hand corner uh one of them has messaged my facebook already uh just as we've been talking about this so um it's 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 pretty great to meet uh all these different people from all walks of life um, with different backgrounds and experiences
1: yeah, um, yeah absolutely and you know we'll we'll touch a little bit more on the you know, some of the accomplishments and stuff. Um, but, you know, to go back on the history of HHO, so, you know, I had mentioned that we, we kind of sat down and wanted to take things slow, and then it blossomed from there, if you will. Um, and we started out in Minnesota and then kind of grew within the Midwest. And then since since then, we, we've now started started a chapter in 26 states. Um, do Does anyone want to... We want to guess your you know talk about why that is why the need to expand quicker than what we what we originally expected was. I think I think that
2: I think we're very fortunate as a group with the founding members and how we started the HHO to have these individuals in our state help follow us and support us and move forward and engage in the mission with the HHO. Um I think a part of that has to do with the fact that We really don't have an active military base in Minnesota, but we do have a ton of reserve and guard former military in this state that has deployed a lot. And I think that's helped um, the Midwest region kind of kindle and uh, help grow because the Red Bulls just don't sit in Minnesota. They, They are out in different states as well in the area. And with the support from the other states, I think we initially went into Wisconsin first, then North Dakota, then Iowa. Does that sound right?
1: Yep. That's correct.
2: Yeah. So, you know, these different States had parts or elements of this Red Bull military crew or other various guard members or reserve members. I think that support was pretty significant and a lot of people approached us looking for, uh, to help us, you know, to support the mission and to move forward and from there blossomed. And I remember a couple of different times we've had conversations about how we need to pump the brakes a little bit, but we continually had, uh, different states approaching us asking if we can move into their states, you know, and from there we interviewed people and I'm sure they're capable of representing HHO. Well, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. <laughs> um, the the <laughs> Sorry. Tony oh. just sent a message to our group chat here. It smells like my dog pooped herself. So, <laughs> so bad. Yeah,
1: so, uh, I'll, I'll hop in with, for Chris since, you know, he, he got sidetracked <laughs> with the message. Um, Sorry. You know, and then I've, one thing I've noticed, so, you know, you brought up the Red Bulls. Well, one thing I've noticed, you know, I, I've never served in the National Guard. Is, I, my whole time has been active duty. Is, you know, one thing that the the National Guard has, especially the, the Minnesota Red Bulls, you know, you guys seem a lot tighter than, than a lot of National Guard units that I've seen. Is, you know, the, the tight-knit community that you have, and it seems like everyone stays in touch, even after, you know, going to bosnia years and years ago so that that really helps spread the message a lot with you know the word of mouth is is huge within the veteran and law enforcement community because it seems like everybody kind of has the you know the the stigma that you know these organizations aren't really out there to help help people um more more in it for themselves but once they hear their friends people they serve with mention that they've that they've been involved with it they're they're a lot more apt to to get involved themselves whether that be just sign up for trips, or you know, volunteering as as field staff, or being more involved in the the Facebook group that we have.
0: Well, go ahead, Tony. Sorry, I, I well uh, beyond the National Guard aspect. I also believe that uh, the recruiting system has done a pretty damn good job at helping us uh, grow. Um, take Sean Alsberg, for instance, Stess, was a recruiter here in Minnesota. Um, help hung out on a few trips here or there, and then moved away for his next position. South then, Carolina. Yeah. And he's like, you know what, this can't, I don't want this, this group to die, uh, in my life. So he moved it, to started the chapter down in South Carolina and then there again, he ended up, uh, retiring and relocating, uh, bounced back over to Texas. So um, I think no. that's a huge one of the huge things um, is the military system has a tendency to um, filter uh, either active duty guys are kind of moving around or National Guard or Reserve guys are uh, deploying here or there or whatever.
1: Yeah, and that's, you know, in my opinion, that's that's one of the neat things about what we do. So I actually today we just had a at a. One of the guys in South Carolina put in the the group chat of theirs that he's getting relocated to Missouri, and for him him going somewhere that he's never been before, he's already got a family with HHO in that state. So you know he's got people that are there going to be there to support him and help him kind of get his get his his feet settled and be able to hit the ground both in the outdoors and and in the army. You know, at a at a full sprint once he gets there.
2: Andy, um, being that you and I are law enforcement and we expanded to law enforcement, mm-hmm. why do you think that spread to law enforcement was re- a good thing, relatable? And how was it difficult to recruit our law enforcement members or staff?
3: You know, law enforcement are pretty private people. I mean, a lot of people on Facebook, you know, even me, my, my real name isn't my Facebook name, you know, for good reason. You know, we, we, work a very difficult job. And a lot of us like to disconnect. So a lot of enforcement don't have a lot of law enforcement don't have Facebook. And then they're also very leery about involving and intermixing with the military community, because a lot of them don't have that. I serve my country feel, even though, especially in the last two years, law enforcement's been very challenging across the nation. Um, Obviously, it's a vital piece of our our structure as a nation without law and order. They call it the thin blue line for a reason. So I think it's really cool, especially um, my grandfather and my father were law enforcement. I remember talking to my dad about this before, and he's like, you should include law enforcement. He's like, you know, I had to do go see things that people shouldn't see. You know, I had to go, you know, with car crashes, deaths, um, and critical incidences is very, very stressful for the average person. You know, um, I'm lucky and I have a great support system, but not every cop in military don't, they don't have that. So, that's where I love where HHO has stepped up to be that for people. Hey, I'm really struggling. I know law enforcement guys just as, just as much as military guys that have been like, without HHO, I don't know where I'd be, and I might not even be here. So it's that's really cool for us, and I think it's awesome that we were able to recognize that and bring them on board um, to recognize their their service and sacrifice that they make.
2: Well, and one thing I'd like to point out, too, is you know, with your military service, when you deploy... You're deployed. You're with your crew. You're with your Mm -hmm. people. That's the lifestyle and mentality that you're living in day in, day out. When you're law enforcement here stateside, you know, when you sign off of work, you're going home. Right. So you're going home to see your family and a critical incident or something that you might have just encountered is sticking with you. You know, Um, when you're with your military crew, you have that support system right next to you. It's not that you can't have it here. It's just you go home and you have to take off that badge and that uniform and go on with your daily life. And one of the things that I've noticed from my military career to law enforcement is it's not easy just to peel that off, get in a different mindset, go to a different birthday party, and then try to not analyze a situation that you're just encountered with. So you're physically there, but mentally you aren't. So like to me, I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of relatable things when it comes to these critical incidents or issues that you have with law enforcement to the military, but also that law enforcement sometimes when you come home, it doesn't just stop your, your friends or your family aren't right there right away until you can get through that situation, move forward. So I think it's helpful and relatable with military experiences to some extent, but also the fact that that those trauma and that situations that where they're significant and stuck with you stay there. And I think that what our mission does really does help relate a lot of that with people. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I'd I'd agree. And you know, for Andy, you, you kind of got into law enforcement, you know, in, in my opinion, you know, at the, at the peak of like <laughs> the worst, uh, the worst day, time possible, <laughs> the, the hate, the hate of law enforcement really, really started to kick off. So, yep. uh, what is it that drove you to want to keep, keep down that path and not, not throw, throw in the gloves and be like, I'm going to go find a different career.
3: You know, that's, a, that's, that's a really good question. uh I, I, I've had people ask me that, like, coming in, like, why are you doing this? Like, this is, you know, you got to do 10 years to be vested here. Like, it not it's not how it used to be. Like, um, for me, it's, I don't know if it's just a sense of service. Like, I love to help people. Um, you know, I watched my grandfather, you know, he worked 33 years in Minneapolis, and my dad worked in Minneapolis and bounced around and then end up finishing in Richfield and, you know, watch them how they serve. And, yeah. You know, like my dad, he's the first one to tell you he struggled before, you know, and I, I got to see that. But for me, at the end of the day, when there's someone that I can help that would not get help if I wasn't there, like, you know, I try to be the cheery, happy go lucky guy that I am and try to, you know, hey, that's my grandma that's sick. I'm going to go help her. Hey, that's my uncle that just had his bike stolen. I'm going to help him. I don't want to I want to use my positive attitude and spread that, you know, because that's what I think is important, because, you know, I, at the end of the day, I'm a human. Just like the people I deal with, and if people would just recognize that, I think communities would come together. So for me, it's still something I love to do. My community is awesome; they love cops still. And if I didn't have that, it would be a struggle. But, um, but yeah, I I still like putting on the badge and going to work. So
1: yeah, absolutely. And you know, I I you you sent a Snapchat the other day to me. Uh, I'm not going to go into into what it was or anything, but you know, I, th- I think that's that that's one thing that you know both the the law enforcement and the military community do do really well is, you know, we, so we, we don't vent really well to each other about our problems, but you know, when, when we do open up, we, we are pretty, you know, we, we deal with it both, you know, in, in a comical manner and then, you know, being able to get out, I I think being out in the outdoors really relaxes you and allows people to feel comfortable talking about those things if they want to, or just feeling, feeling like they do have somebody, Um, you know, like like you went through a pretty pretty traumatic thing. Yep. Snapchat with like, I, I I can't remember exactly what the words are, but or, or I'm not going to say I'm on here. um. But like you got a thumbs up, like doing OK.
3: Yeah, um, I'm doing fine. And, you know, I, I think that's funny you say that because like, you know, look at you. You're an organ, but like you're still like you said, like Chris mentioned, this is a family. Like, you know, I went through this. I'm OK. But man, it sucked. And it's just yeah. knowing it. And Tony probably knows this. I use probably Snapchat too much. I, I send them all the time. <laughs> I get to laugh at stuff. Because, again, like I kind of use humor as, as a coping mechanism. But, you know, I'm sending them to my brothers. You know, here here I'm sending you funny snaps and stuff that's not so funny. But I kind of find funny because that's just how I deal with it. But, you know, if I want to be in the blind having a tough day, that's how I'm going to cope with it. And, you know, Tony's probably going to know all the stuff I've dealt with the last year because I probably sent it to him. So, but, Yes.
2: Yep. But that's good, though. And that's what we encourage and foster,
3: you mm-hmm. know, absolutely. You know, reach yeah. out,
2: you know, right. and I thought one of the cool things that, sorry, I'm not, if you've got more, do you want to talk about that? We can't, yep. We're good. I was just going to transition um, a little bit with Tony and talk about the assist training, the applied suicide intervention training system that we just went through as another element of what we do.
0: Do you want to talk about that at all, Tony? uh sure um that was actually so i i had heard about that in the past um um it kind of i was i'm really glad i went through it because it kind of gave me a new approach to how i talk to people that like you know and try and pick up certain cues on hey are these just are they having a bad day or um are these guys is this person possibly um looking to harm themselves um and i had sat through let's see six years in the guard probably five five different um extremely dry boring um suicide prevention classes while i was in the guard uh and this i i thought was one of the best ones out there the assist program was one of the best out there um not only is it uh captivating but it actually provides a uh, nice toolbox of uh, ways to break down um, a person in crisis.
2: Yeah. Um, and I sat there and watched everyone, you know, and <clears throat> going through the training. And yeah, I mean, it's uncomfortable, definitely an uncomfortable conversation that everyone's having, you know. But I think that once everyone realized that it was okay to be uncomfortable, and move through that training and help understand that we're furthering our mission to help our people that we serve, to be able to discuss these things, I think became, kind of rose to the top, you know, that first day of training, and then people went through the scenarios and realized how this can be helpful, you know, and one of the things that we like to talk about too is, you know, there's always a place for medical professionals, and we are not those. We are people who like to get outdoors. We like to go hunting and fishing, foraging, ATVing, snowmobiling, go on a hot air balloon ride, go to outdoor sporting events, whatever it might be. But this, when what we do is create another venue for people to be able to get off that couch and come talk to us in a setting that's different than sitting on a couch with a light on you or may not be a light on you, but feel like that metaphorically, right? Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I think with I think with that, you know, you bring up sit, sitting on the couch with the you know the light on you, um, you know, being a, at a therapist's office, I, I've got not, nothing against, you know, going to therapy by any means to, to as a as a coping mechanism. I've, I've gone to therapy myself in the past, um, but it took me probably about seven, eight years to like actually go and, and take that step. But I've always been open to talk with. The The three you and other other people that I've served with, you know, about things that I've gone through or things that even just like that I struggle with day to day, even even if it's not really military related at all. Um, so being able to, you know, have that that tool where people know that they can turn to someone that has gone through similar experiences or at least knows what they're talking about is, is absolutely huge.
2: You know, and people can reach out to any of our staff at any time. Um, we do have lists out there for people to reach out to with phone numbers and names, you know, they can call anytime. If we can't, if we cannot, this, like, if I cannot help you at this moment, I'll find you someone. I'll help you with that. You know, it's on our website. You go to any of these chapters pages and who's who's been to assist training, their contact info's on there. So it's a resource for everyone. And Tony was going to say something.
0: Yeah. Um, sorry. So I got, I have this, I have a bit of brain fog from, something that happened in the past but uh so one of the, my i'm a little slower than i used to be one of the things that um i took away from the suicide, uh, the, the assist uh program um is it's not my not our job to be the doctor to fix the to inevitably fix whatever the problem is our job is to be the first person to be the, the that first responder how can we take you from here and get you to see a pathway to redemption? Is that that's not the right word? Or just uh, other
2: other resources to help stand right. them back up? You know, right? We're we're the initial impact or cushion, right? You
1: know? yeah. yeah, and I I, th- I think it's important to note too. You know, so Tony Tony mentioned you mentioned you know sh- kind of showing that pathway, guide him in the the right direction a lot of times when people are going through you know the they they're down that path already of you know they're wanting to commit suicide or you know harm themselves or harm harm someone else they're they're not thinking as clear as what they what they normally would be and they they don't even realize all the options that are available so it's important to have people that are that are trained through the assist to be there to guide them through it
2: Well, we have 150 people on staff. Now we have over 15 people that are certified in it. And then we're looking to expand with more, have a class in the Texas area for, um, the Texas area for more training for surrounding states, as well as the New England area. So there's, uh, there's more and more training that we're going to do. And I think at some point we're hoping that our board will become a train the trainer option in time so then we can help go out and train our staff you know and, and with staff you know again they're 100 volunteer so but these people care enough where they are willing to answer the phone or a message and be able to sit there and listen and help you get to a better place you know so and a lot of that starts with being in that duck blind or the boat right. or somewhere else you know yeah. outdoors and then it, that connection opens the door later on
0: and it the assist Assist training also helps helps you uh, decipher uh, cues that you can, while you're sitting in the duck blind or the duck boat or the the ice house or whatever, you'd be like, um, man, did he, he or she say something um, that I should be keyed in on type of thing? So it is a very useful tool.
2: Yeah. And so our listeners know there are such things as ice houses.
0: Up here yeah. in the Northland, yeah. we
2: do fish on
1: the ice. Go, we go drive parking, go parking RV, RV on the ice. Yeah. We drive one tons. Uh, yeah, hey, there's um so that I mean there's early there's it, always anytime that suicide is talked about. It seems like there's no good transition out of, out of it. So, we're just going to we're just going to hop into the next the next well, here's topic a, as well. The, the um,
2: transition is we are here for yeah. you if yeah, you feel you know it's it's let us be a resource to you if you find yourself in that place that's the transition come yeah. come check us out see what we do how we do it and just know that we're here that's the transition yeah
1: ab- absolutely and you know from from that kind of want to talk about the accomplishments that that you guys have seen you know in, in your opinion um i'll I'll start with with mine um for me it's it's hard to just name just one thing that that I've seen happen within the organization, um, that that's really stood out as as being like, yep, that's it. Um, but one of the one of the things is within our hometown here outdoors community Facebook group that's open to just the the people that we serve, um, is the the countless times that people have posted in there asking for help, saying, hey, I'm I'm going through a rough time. They, we've even had people go in there and say, "Hey, I'm thinking about committing suicide. I, I've got no one to turn to," and within within minutes, they've got 100 plus people in the in the comments. They'll have people message them, people that already have their phone number. They'll call them, um, and they'll they'll get them, you know, set down the right path so that way they can they can recover from whatever it is that they're going through. Um, and then we we see the the reviews from from trips that we've been on where, where people are like, Hey, you know, you saved, saved my life. You saved my, my marriage. You saved my relationship with the kids or, you know, you gave me a, a healthy outlet rather than, you know, the, the drugs or alcohol or whatever else they were doing that, that they felt wasn't, wasn't the right path for them. And then, you know, we provided them the outdoors. So out, out of everything that we do, I think, you know, seeing that stuff, seeing, seeing those, those success stories is the, the, biggest. Um and then obviously, you know, there's there's a few trips that stand out, but I'll let you know Andy, Andy, Tony, and Chris go over what they think their their biggest accomplishments are within the organization. So Andy.
3: Oh geez, this is um so one yeah, thing I can think on the spot. Of, I told Tony may take this one too because you know he he has just as much he has more more of it than I do, but I helped. Um, Tony and I did a podcast with a guy named Full Scale Outdoors, Dale Luganville. Great guy. And long story short, that led to a friendship um, with Minnesota Made Outdoors. And for three straight years, they've brought out 50 members on the ice, and they get everything donated for us. I mean, there's 150 members in three years these guys are brought out. And every time, oh, my gosh, it's the greatest trip. There's donations. There's food. Trager comes out and cooks for us. And last two years has been unbelievably cold, of course. But that trip is like – I don't, I don't want to call it my pride and joy. There's a lot of things to be successful about, but – the feedback I get from that trip and those guys and the fun and even the captains. Um, so what it is really quick is that ice fishing tournament, there's 50 members, 25 teams of, um, two and these, the amateur little, um, circuit of ice fishing competition. They're the coaches for the day for our veterans and our law enforcement members. And they go out, we know it's a panfish tournament. So we get about four hours to fish, you know, we laugh, we fish, we run around, we find fish and, just I don't know the feedback I get from that is just something that drives me all year long. I absolutely love that.
1: Awesome, yeah. I, I enjoy seeing that trip. You know, from the the time that you guys start talking about it, you know, come October is usually, usually when the, the conversation starts, and then oh yeah, always, well, excited, even, always excited to see see how that trip turns out.
0: Yep, I'll expand uh, on what Andy said. Um, one of my Uh, what I see as one of our biggest accomplishments as an organization is all the uh, personal and professional relationships we've built um, throughout not only the veteran community, um, the outdoor community, and um, our communities where we live, uh, the relationships that we've built with um, the cities that we live in and work in and um it's it's pretty amazing to see uh, how far all these different networks have come together to help us succeed in um accomplishing a pretty awesome mission. It's, I mean and, you say that amazing. too and one of the
2: the cool thing too is like uh Chris Erman our treasurer he's in LA on a layover wearing an HHO shirt and someone comes up to him it's like hey HHO. I mean like that's cool. I mean that's the community seeing the spreading it, you know, that's pretty cool. I mean how often do you see something like that?
1: Right. Yeah, and then you know, with with the talk, talk about communities, we're we 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 have got our our address there in Minnesota is as Stillwater. I, I think one one cool thing is you know we, we joined the Stillwater Chamber of Commerce. Like, last year was our first year, and we got nominated for the the nonprofit of the year in the the city of Stillwater.
2: Right away. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. We didn't get it. We'll get it soon. But um, yeah. you know it. We're not doing it for awards either, you know. So yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely not. Yeah, and there's then, a lot of awesome trips that happen though. Um yeah. gosh, you know, talk about annual trips. We got the Minnesota made, right? Lake of the woods yeah, well, is so, a huge one.
1: Yeah. Ooh, so kind of kind of what do you think? Your you know, in your opinion, what the oh what the greatest accomplishment is. Me? For, yeah.
2: Oh, my turn, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> um It's kind of an ongoing, evolving accomplishment, in my opinion. And I think that it comes from our volunteers. And people step up in times where we have one person that may either have a hiccup or fall or trip. And I feel that our volunteer staff is very in tune with what's going on with each other. You know, we have some staff that have had some trauma that's happened to them and, you know, time since they've been with us. And I think that part of our accomplishments that we do is it's not in our bylaws, but this is the family we've built and they will step, our family will step up and help these individuals. You know, one of our staff lost a husband. We have another staff member whose um, family had, came down with cancer recently. Um, Another situation is we have a team lead in a different state that had some medical issues Happen, You know, and people are reaching out trying to attempt to help them. But also the fact that we do have people that volunteer for us who are willing to step up in a time of need. Uh, For instance, that team lead or director for state had to step down and I instantly got messages saying I want to pick up where he left off and move forward. So people believe in the mission enough where someone can walk away and be gone, you know, potentially for a few minutes, and someone's willing to hop in and get on that horse and help out. I think that's pretty significant and speaks pretty highly about the mission, who we are, what we do, who we serve. And the uh, the foundation of what we stand on is all hundred percent volunteers. So I think that's a pretty significant thing to me, yeah, you know, and, and I just that. another podcast um, with David Gray, our uh, new England team lead, our director up there. And the communication that occurs kind of like what Tony and Andy talked about with members that happen after the fact, like, I knew it happened, but I didn't realize how much it happened. And I think that's pretty significant. You know, the communication relationships that happen afterwards. So I think those are big accomplishments.
1: Yeah. I, I definitely agree. And you know, to 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 go back on our volunteers, you know, I think I think one one great thing is our volunteers, they they don't care about when they when they host these trips or events, uh, or even, you know, step up and help out the person that the feels that is hosting it they don't care about catching a fish they don't care about shooting a deer getting a duck out of the out of the blind they their enjoyment comes from seeing seeing the smiles on the faces of the people that are out there even even on the days where you know there are no fish caught or you know they're it didn't go as planned but them still being able to see the their work pay off you know in dividends throughout throughout you know not just during the the trip but you know the the years and months to come. Um, I think I think seeing that passion that that everyone has, that is a part of the organization, is is pretty amazing. And and a lot of people that we that we serve don't don't even don't even realize you know half the time you know you just talked about a handful of problems that volunteers are going through. The the people that we serve don't even know those things are going on because everyone that volunteers with us is a big family, and you know we take make sure that everyone's taken care of pretty well. Absolutely. And any, well, other, any other big accomplishments or you know things that you guys want to highlight? I, I think that, we have that to the mention, organization's
3: done. We have to mention the Eric Matson hunt. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, think about. I mean, just all the planning that's gone into that, and yeah, COVID has really kind of knocked us back, but we're going to come back stronger and ac- hopefully accomplish it this winter. I know Chris could talk about it all day. I'm jealous that I don't get to help out with it, but he knows that. No <laughs> you matter. guys
2: all have a shot to go on that stuff. <laughs> he's,
3: got, he's put in so much work for Officer Eric Mattson. Um, for those listening, if you don't know, he was a officer here in Minnesota that was shot in the head in the line of duty. And he's really, I mean, he, he's beaten the odds. Um, from, the, from the very second that the incident happened, um, he's really come back and beaten the odds. He's a great guy. Um, and uh, Chris took it upon himself that we're going to basically build this wonderful trip and fulfill his dream of, um, harvesting a king eider up in Alaska. So, you know, that's also my dream. So he's a waterfaller and I see it. Um, and for us to do that for him, like right now, as cliche as it sounds, I just got chills. Like just thinking about him, you know, everything he's been through and, and laying out this groundwork to get him the opportunity is pretty special. And I think, you know, um, moving forward, I'll let Chris talk about it if he wants, like the type of hunts we're going to do for a special incident, um, uh, our special person. So I, I think it's really cool. I think we definitely need to talk about
1: that. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I, and Chris can talk about this forever. Um, <laughs> so I'm I'm, I'm going to remind him that, you know, we're, we're kind of coming up on, on an hour here on okay. the, the podcast. It says, so it says
2: 45 minutes, so it's not. Yeah, 45 minutes ish.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so, but we, we definitely will be touching on what, what he's going to mention here, here more in our in some later podcast for sure.
2: We will talk about it just quickly, briefly, yep. and then we'll talk about the legacy trip more in the next podcast or ones to come. So as Andy said, you know, with Officer Matson, you know, we offered him a trip of a lifetime. Um, I am a state conservation officer for the state of Minnesota, and one of my coworkers is really good friends with Eric. I've never met Eric before in my life, but after we saw what he had went through and him being shot in the head, we found that it was a situation where we wanted to offer him something that he may not normally get to do in life, especially now that he's had this injury, especially in the line of duty. And what we call it is the legacy trip. And I'll fill everyone in a little bit more about the legacy trip on the next podcast. But what we did with Eric is we solicited sponsorships, Um, not only through Relentless Defender, Boss Shot Shells, Benelli, Covey Sales, uh, Shields, um, and then also the support of several different people that um, help buy merchandise or shirts to support the hunt. We raised upwards of $70,000. It's not an easy trip to accomplish. Uh, where we're going is to St. Paul Island and the Bering Sea of Alaska. And our plan is to take six people there. Uh, Two of the spots are donated it's with Charles Somerville with the Lucian Waterfowl X. Runs a great outfit. He's the pioneer of King eider hunting out in Alaska, Bering Sea. And we're going to take Eric out there to go hunting. Rapla Strike Master stepped up huge, and they're giving us float suits to help us with the hunt while we're in the layout blinds. So the cool part is we're taking Rogue Productions, who's our production crew, with us as well. And we've been capturing Eric's life since he's returned from his original rehab. Man, that would have been early 2021. Um, so we've been following Eric for about a year and we're building a documentary about his life and recovery and to include his hunt in Alaska. So um, we're pretty excited about that. We're supposed to go this last January. COVID shut down the island. Now it got pushed back a full year. So we're going to be going in January of 2023. But it's also been a blessing in disguise. Eric's been able to get more rehab done. He's able to shoulder a shotgun better. He's able to swing a firearm, hit his targets that he needs to. So. Very awesome situation for Eric to get to go do. Um, and it's also led into a program that we decided as a board to continue on a yearly basis, which we'll talk about again later. It's called the legacy trip. It either happen on a yearly or a biannual basis. So,
1: Yeah. Eric, Eric, Eric's story of, you know, from, from the incident to where he's where at now is, is absolutely outstanding to, to see the, the recovery and the drive that he has to you know, get back on his feet and be, be as fun- functional as, as possible with, you know, the, the given injury. I got to give a
2: huge shout out to a few different people at this, too. His local police department, local EMS in the response, the doctor that did the neuros- uh, neurosurgery on him. Phenomenal people. His wife, Megan, and his family, very supportive people. I mean, Eric's life's different. Nobody ever wanted this or asked for this and everyone is stepping up to help them. There's support all over the state, and it's very encouraging to see law enforcement get that support from the community. Um, So we're excited to be able to host him and give him this opportunity, but we're also excited for what comes after this legacy trip with Eric. Eric's going to help us choose people on the next trips as well, which is kind of a cool thing.
1: Yeah. And I, I think, you know, his, his, his incident and then, the, the many others like it, you know, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, the, you know, the, the troubles that police officers face, you know, he, he was on, you know, normal night, night of work. And next thing he knows, his, his life was changed forever. I mean, that, that could be, be anyone that that puts on the uniform fa- yep. faces that, that same danger. Damn, damn Yeah, Yep. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, be, before we, we close this podcast out, I think, we should we should kind of go over you know how how law enforcement and veterans and currently serving military can can get involved involved and in, you know get on the trips with us you know the process that that it takes to you know join the Facebook group or you know go onto our website um, and then also kind of how supporters can can get involved. So Tony, if you want to, do you want to go over how how those that we serve can can get get in touch with us and you know get involved with attending these trips and events uh
0: number one uh let's start with facebook there's two facebook groups two closed facebook groups which is for law enforcement uh military past or present uh one is our community group which is used for outdoor related issues veteran related issues law enforcement related issues um it's also a place for uh a safe place to reach out if you might be in a crisis. Um, the second closed group is the hometown here outdoors uh, trips, um, and uh, we post the vast majority of our trips in there. Um, we are moving towards using our uh, website uh, to do our trips and um, for future, especially for the larger trips that require a little bit more effort. Um, yeah that's one of the biggest ways to get involved uh join us on our outdoor activities
2: yeah Yeah, Uh i mean social media wise uh facebook instagram twitter um and then our website are all the significant ones to follow and then oh we have a youtube as well rogue productions makes some phenomenal videos for us you can go over there and see what we do and you know get a preview of all that stuff. It's pretty
1: cool. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I think it's important, you know, going back to what we talked about in the beginning, the, the word of mouth, you know, just, just making sure that you're talking to your fellow, fellow brothers and sisters that, that you've served with either military or law enforcement and sharing the message of what we do and, you know, getting them out, out with us. It doesn't cost you guys anything other than, you know, may, maybe the gas to get, get on the trip and then um, the, the license for the, for the fish that fishing or hunting that we're doing. A- Andy, Chris, anything to add with, you know, those that we serve getting, being involved.
3: Yeah, I mean, everyone that's been on a trip, you are our biggest advertiser. If you went on a trip and you had a, a blast, please tell your friends, tell us, let us know. Cause typically we send out like, Hey, this is a feedback form. What went right? What went wrong? You know, we're always striving to be better. So if you're on a trip, you have a great time or a bad time. We want to hear about it. But, um, yeah, you are our biggest advocate out there, so we appreciate any shout-outs.
2: Well, and to piggyback on that, some some of the trips that are pretty awesome that we've had. You know, we've had hog hunting in Texas. There's an alligator trip coming in Texas. Um, we've had deep-sea fishing out of Florida. We've done Tofino, Canada trips. We have uh, Eric Mattson's legacy trip that's going to happen in Alaska. There'll be additional legacy trips for people who have been through some catastrophic Uh, New England's hosting a moose hunt this fall. They're also going to be doing bear hunts, which is an annual thing. Uh, Minnesota does a Lake of the Woods trip on the Canadian border every year with 40, 50, 60 people. I know these guys have all been on that. I haven't had a chance. Uh, Minnesota also does a annual bow fishing trip. Um, Missouri is really picking it up lately. South Carolina will do a lot of trips off of the coast there as well. I mean, The list goes on and on and on. So there's a lot of significant things that the trips do happen. And if you aren't on this pages, you're really missing out. You really are. Um, Just because you live in Minnesota or Wisconsin or Missouri doesn't mean you can't apply for trips on the West Coast or East Coast. I'm going to be going out to this moose hunt this upcoming year. But there's also events that we host. That are different every year. We have an annual banquet that's here in Minnesota. This last year was phenomenal. It was so much fun. Yes, we had in a, a military helicopter hangar with Black Hawk helicopters that were present. Uh, Laura Sheriff, for those in the Midwest, everyone knows who Laura Sheriff is in the Midwest. She was our MC for the evening. Uh, golf tournaments in different states that we do. Sean Olesberg in Texas is doing a clay shoot down there. So check out our events page as well because even if you aren't within you know, a member of us and who we serve it doesn't mean you can't like be there and support it and help. So and take a look at our events that we have. And you may be able to support it in a certain way. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Sorry, that was long winded. My bad.
1: No, no, it's it's good. It's we, we need people to know how to how to connect with us and the, the different the different avenues that, that they're able to, um, you know, and, the, and then for our supporters, you know, the the people that have supported us from from the beginning, people that we've had, you know, support us year in and year out. We, we couldn't do what we do without, without them. But then also the, the people that, you know, pop in and buy a, buy a t-shirt or buy a hat or donate $20, you know, all, all of that support that we get goes a long ways. Um, and then we also have supporters that, that host events of their own. Minnesota just did a beanbag tournament mm-hmm. in uh, and that was host. I, I can't remember off the top top of my head who hosted that. Um, and Andy, you were there, but
3: yeah, cameras But it was in Albertville, Minnesota. Just look. Basically, they had been to a previous chili feed that we did um, with Brett Cleveland and New Austin. Said, "Gosh, that's a great group. I want to help them." And they came out and invited us, and it was a great day. So stuff like that really helps. Not only does it get our name out there, but you know, financial support is huge for a nonprofit like us. None of us take a dime. All of our money goes back to our mission, and that's what we want to keep doing. So,
2: I think what what did Urban just recently say ninety nine percent.
1: Yeah, is that right, Dan? Yeah, we're uh, so the the accountant was was confident saying that that we're we're over ninety nine percent of our money that we raise goes directly back into our mission of, of getting those veterans, law enforcement officers and currently serving military into the outdoors and, and furthering our mission. And how many nonprofits can say that who have
2: 20,000 plus volunteer hours a year?
1: Not, not many. No, not, not many at all. No, no. Yeah. That's that. That's one, one good thing with us. You know, when you donate to us, whether that be, that be monetary or, you know, gifts and kinds, including, you know, equipment gear donated guide fees things a like open that open seat and, in a boat yeah uh, a place a for a
2: one of our members to sit in a deer blind a turkey blind yeah, yeah. You know, whatever
1: yeah. yeah all of our supporters are able to do that confidently knowing that their support is going directly towards what what we say that that is going for so future
2: shows dan how often do we plan on doing these
1: future shows oh man um you know, I think I think we'll probably be well, once we get get all get our episodes started starting to air, we'll probably be releasing one every every other week. We, we haven't locked in a locked in a day of the week yet, but once we I think once, once we, we have, it going, and we'll get get let everyone know.
2: We have the support, and the people for it. We have, like I said, 150 people on staff. It's 150 weeks worth.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, I mean, and then we have our supporters. I mean, I think between getting Cisco D with us out of Texas, the ranch down there is beautiful. Uh, they give a lot to us. We have Shields will be a good one. Minnesota Made Crew would be yeah. a very good podcast
3: coming up. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, we got we, we to get on some of, the, some of the podcasts like Doug Glimmerveen, the people that have had us on. Yes, get people. them out.
3: Oh, get absolutely.
2: Them out. You know, yeah, cop would be a good one with humanizing the badge would be good. But, uh, our next one will be with it's the be other to board members that
1: we have. Yep. Yep. Alan, Jeff, and Chris, we'll get them on, you know, kind of talk, talk about their story. What made them get involved with HHO at, I know Chris and Jeff, Chris got involved with HHO pretty, pretty early on as the the Minnesota state uh, director. And then so did Alan, Alan, Jeff and Alan as well. Um, all three of them came on pretty early, so we'll, we'll talk about their story, um, and then from there, you know, we'll, we'll talk with some of our state directors, some of our some of our field staff, and then we'll talk with other, you know, people that donors. have gone, gone on trips with us, you know, share their story, and then also sponsors and donors, we'll be having having them on to kind of talk about their story and what they do. Great.
2: Anyone else got anything else they want to add?
1: All right. right. So so before we end this broadcast, you know, just want to say thank you all for listening and stay tuned for more episodes to come. And we look forward to seeing, seeing those that we serve out on the water and in the woods.
2: Last thing I want to add is our suicide awareness hotline. Please ensure that if you are having suicidal tendencies, please call 1-800- 273 8255.
1: Again, that's 1 800 273 8255. All right. And awesome. we'll see
2: you guys next episode. Have a good night, everyone. Have a good week. Get out in the woods.
0: For more information about Hometown Hero Outdoors, visit our webpage at www.hometownherooutdoors.org.